You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as Donald Trump's least favorite neighbor, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, I'm in Washington, D.C., and I'm very happy to have Congressman Ro Khanna back on the podcast. He represents California's 17th district, which includes the campuses of Google and Apple. We're going to talk about something he's been working on, the Internet Bill of Rights, which I discussed in my column for The New York Times this week. Ro, welcome to Recode Decode. Thanks, and congratulations on your column oh, in the New York Times. I you're like creating it. quite a stir. I'm creating a stir. That's my job, Ro. And I, you're going to create a stir, I hope, with this Bill of Rights. But let's talk a little bit about where, since when we talked last time, and then I want to get into what you're doing. Last time we talked, I think it was before Cambridge Analytica or, or this stuff. Right after. Had, right after. So how do you assess what's going on in the district you represent and what's happening in the country at large over tech? This, things have happened. Well, there's a concern uh, with <laughs> a concern with people saying, what's going on? Why mm-hmm. is Congress not acting? Uh, mm-hmm. Here we've had massive uh, breaches of people's privacy. There's a concern about people not being uh, safe with their data. Mm-hmm. And what is Congress doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the Internet Bill of Rights is an answer to say Congress needs to do something right. uh, to safeguard people's privacy. Right. So we're going to go over the individual yeah. aspects of it. But first, I want to get sort of an idea of like the, the hearings had not taken place. And the House hearings went better than the Senate hearings. Right. The Senate hearings were a, a ridiculous goat rodeo, as far as I could tell. I watched the whole thing. Has the mood changed perceptibly since that, or as as more revelations have come up about Cambridge Analytica, about Facebook, now Twitter, of course, is sucked up into this Alex Jones controversy. Right. Um, so let's walk through those. What What do you think the about those hearings and the impact of them? Well, I think people thought uh, the Senate and, and the up, House the were ill-equipped to right. deal with these issues. I mean, right. you, we've discussed this before. They asking Zuckerberg, "How does Facebook make money?" and not knowing their mm-hmm. model of of ads, and a, a sense that. Congress was not really prepared mm-hmm. uh, to go beyond the questions that the staffers had written for some of the senators and House members. Right. The challenge is after those uh, then month of media exposure, the Congress has moved on to now dealing with tax policy mm-hmm. and other issues. And this has kind of uh, gone off the front burner. Right. And uh, the tech leaders, uh, they're fine with that. They're, yes, they're, of course. They're, they're fine. They know that Congress isn't moving, that uh, the politics in the Energy and Commerce Committee are between the Internet service providers and the edge providers. The AT&Ts are fighting the Facebooks and Googles, and nothing is happening and so the status quo is fine for a lot of these folks. Uh, the people who are suffering, of course, are consumers who are using mm-hmm. these uh, the, these platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would be lying if I said that there was some concrete action taking place in Congress right, right. now, right? It's just right. the status quo. It was kind of just a circus in a weird way. Just the questions, you're absolutely right, were just all over the place and not very pertinent to what was happening. Is there anything Congress can do in this area? Or just We're going to talk about the Internet Bill of right. Rights, but do you foresee any legislation coming out? You just don't. I don't either. I don't, I, I don't think anything's going to happen before the, the midterm election. Mm-hmm. And, of course, some, you could do something. California passed mm-hmm. uh, yes, the privacy, uh, privacy law. laws. There's no reason Congress couldn't act, but there is no will to act. And, candidly, people on both sides, when you talk to some of the leaders, and I'm not going to tell n- name names, say, mm-hmm. well, let's just punt this till after the election. So uh, there is not the desire in Congress to, to get something done. There could be things short of an Internet Bill of Rights. I mean, you, you would think there's mm-hmm. been one of the biggest scandals mm-hmm. in people's uh, privacy. You would think Congress would 
pass something. Right. Uh, but there's been no effort. So punting down past the elections, the elections, of course, are of concern. Like, right. And it's not even hacking because it's just using the platforms yeah. improperly and lack of transparency, lack of privacy, right. usage of the data, all kinds of things. Because really, I mean, I think the conclusion, except for the only person who doesn't believe it is Donald Trump, is that the Russians used the platforms as they were built. Right. Um, and it's obviously even worse globally. There was just a really devastating report in Reuters about right. how they handled those, how to how to monitor what was going on there in terms of hate speech and things like that. So why punt? What's the, it's just, I, I get what's going on in Congress right, right. now, but that, that, that there's no feeling that we shouldn't punt. Because both parties are thinking what's in their uh, electoral advantage. Nobody cares. No, and, and it's... Uh, uh, you know, if you talk to to some of the Republicans, they will say, well, let's go with the AT&T Bill of Rights. I mean, mm-hmm. give me a break. You, you mm-hmm. really want a Internet service provider to write the the Bill of Rights? Mm-hmm. And, and some of the Democrats say, well, we've got the, the Republicans on the run. Let's not push for some legislation right now. It's just myopia. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I've been frustrated. Joe Kennedy has been frustrated. Mm-hmm. Some of the younger members are very frustrated because we actually think our job is to Go do something. You know, in some sense, the problem is not just with the Zuckerbergs. I mean, I hold him accountable. But since when did we think in this country that 30-something-year-old entrepreneurs should be writing the rules for uh, the uh, Internet uh, privacy? Right. I mean, that's the responsibility of Congress. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was shocking to me is members of Congress asking Zuckerberg, Mm -hmm. well, what should we do? Right, I know. That was driving me crazy. Can you help us? Can I get you a cup of tea, young man? It was so, it was sort of... I mean, in what other field? I mean, if you had airline executives out there, do you think members of Congress would be asking United Airlines... Tell us how we can make the passenger experience better. Right, right. Right. Or what can you do? No, they would be saying, here's what you need to do. Right. I've never seen people and members of Congress have healthy egos. I've never seen yeah. them more sheepish than yeah. before. What's interesting is that I thought they would pass on their questions to people who are competent, like they did in Britain and other places. Right. Didn't happen. Yeah. Now, there's upcoming hearings right. coming with Jack Dorsey, I think, is right. coming, possibly Sheryl Sandberg. Yes. What's going to happen there? Well, Cheryl, I think Cheryl has a unique opportunity. Cheryl Sarenberg is at Facebook. She worked, as you know, for Larry Summers at Mm -hmm. the Treasury Department. She's a political. She's a politically very savvy. Yeah. Uh, She she is someone I think who has this opportunity to come and say, "Look, we are we we've heard the concerns of people. We need regulation. Uh, Here are some common sense regulations that." should be passed, and uh, tech is going to uh, call for these. And I think she has a moment where she can redeem uh, not just Facebook, but part of the attacks uh, and criticisms on tech. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that— So what should she do when she comes? I think she should say this. Uh, it, we uh, at Facebook believed that, uh, th- that these platforms would lead to more communication and— a better nation, a better world. We realized that there were a lot of things we didn't anticipate. There were a lot of blind spots that we didn't have control over. And we accept our myopia on this. And it's, you know, what we now see, there's a need for regulation. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a need for people to protect privacy. Here are three or four things that we think should be passed as law mm-hmm. and that we would support, even though they're not uh, necessarily in our direct profit-making interest. Mm-hmm. And we will support legislation on on this and work with members of Congress to really get something done. Yeah. Do you, do you expect her to do that? She's rather smooth. She's a smooth one. I, I expect her to say the first part. I expect her to say, you know, so sorry. I'm so, so I'm sorry. We didn't anticipate did things. Yeah. But she's savvy enough to know that that she has to be more concrete to get something done. Mm-hmm. I, that 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 I would love to have her be specific to mm-hmm. say here are a few uh, legislative proposals that we can get behind. And I don't I don't know if and she will do that. What about Dorsey? Man, he's you know, a, I mean, I I, I, I read your help. column. I, I've yeah. read uh, both your columns. Yeah. I mean, I I think Dorsey has first got to. Think about what you asked him. What, you know, what what does it mean to have these platforms of speech and what are the responsibilities of, mm-hmm. of speech? And I think he's – so first he's got to answer the basic question, how is Twitter making the public square better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and where has it gone wrong? Let us point out they're not the public. But go ahead. They're a yeah. private company and but, everyone there has made billions. They, they made better. But, right. but, but they can't get away just saying we're a po- private company that isn't is affecting – yeah. That isn't affecting the public square. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's got to accept responsibility for some of the hate speech and some of the lies and propaganda that have 
taken place on his platform Mm -hmm. and uh, be open again to the type of regulation that could make that a a better platform. What would that entail? Because what they do is they go into this, I think, a specious First Amendment argument to myself. I think what they do is they immediately take that out and then you're like, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about continued violations of your very hard-to-understand rules, not very well-enforced rules. That's right. what a lot of people think well, I do also. Well, first of all, as you pointed out, the First Amendment doesn't apply. They're not a government actor, right? right? So right. for them to hide behind the First Amendment is a bit disingenuous. Mm-hmm. But secondly, even if you apply the First Amendment principles, which mm-hmm. is that you want freedom of speech, there are a lot of uh, limitations to that principle. Mm-hmm. For example, you can't incite violence mm-hmm. uh, under the First Amendment. Right. You can't yell fire in a crowded right, yeah. theater. You you have to be uh, and we want to have speech that is actually helping deliberation and responsible decision making. So there are philosophers who have written about this. Mm-hmm. Jürgen Habermas with communicative action. The whole his whole work is about mm-hmm. what are the rules of speech that are actually going to lead to the truth and better outcomes. Right. And uh, what I would do if I were uh, Jack Dorsey is to to acknowledge that just having a platform where people can express whatever comes to their mind, mm-hmm. whether that's racist, whether that's hateful, whether that's inciting violence, is not contributing mm-hmm. necessarily to better deliberation and better democracy. Right. And there, there need to be some rules to that. My feeling is they never cleaned it up, and now they don't want to. They Cleaning it up is an admission that they didn't clean it up. You know what I mean? It's sort of this— And it's really hard. conducted that place like, you know, like it was a cat circus as far as I—you know what I mean? And so what, what was interesting around these last things— Alex Jones never violated our rules, and then CNN took 14 minutes. Like right. one guy from CNN, like, oh, here's 63 examples of him, and he just did it the other day again. And well, so well, they just—they well, just these trolls take it right up to the line, and then. And I think that the, one of the weakest defenses is to say that he didn't violate their rules because he clearly violated yeah. their rules, no, right? I mean, check. you know, there's no there's check. no dispute that he violated you their rules. You might want to check there. You know, on that one. I, I, I think that was they, shocking to me. That it, it, it really is that they're they're. Um, and, you know, the conservatives bully them because, if, yeah. if anything, the conservatives have had used these platforms to their advantage. Yeah, I mean, good at it. Look at Donald Trump. He's yeah. the, 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 you, the you, you know, Twitter savant or whatever you yeah. it labeled him. But they have been they have actually used these platforms to their advantage. And then they accuse these platforms of bias. So yeah. it's uh, I credit their political savviness. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting because I think one of the things I was pointing out was that freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence. You know, and, and they they are trying to sort of pretend that that it's there's no consequence for things you do. Like I was I was pointing out that, you know, Disney did fire Roseanne Barr for what she said. Like, they just did. Like, it doesn't mean she couldn't say it. It's just, what I find often is a lot of people who complain about not being able to speak up never shut up. Like, it's, it's, and use these tools right up to the line or even over it many times and and then complain that they don't have a voice, which I think is kind of interesting. Well, let me make an analogy. Let's say you were in the beginning of a newspaper business and you were the publisher editor of a newspaper and you said, well, I'm for free speech. And so if someone submits a letter to the editor riddled with spelling errors, doesn't matter. If someone says a letter to the editor that the earth is flat, we'll publish it. If someone says that Ro Khanna isn't an American citizen, we'll publish it. What newspaper would work that way? Right. No, they had rules because yeah. speech well, values and, and, and values and their whole schools of journalistic ethics. Mm-hmm. Now, the argument that Twitter and Facebook and others make is, well, we're not a we're a platform with millions. We can't have the same rules because letters to the editor are uh, a few hundred or a few thousand. Fine. Concede the point that you're not a newspaper, but you can't concede the point that you have no obligation or rules. What are the journalistic standards for social media? Mm -hmm. And as you pointed out, Kara, the the problem is not that they have given an incorrect answer. The problem is they aren't asking that question. it's, It's as if they're blind to a ethical responsibility yeah. on standards. Yeah, it's really interesting. Lastly, Google, of course, will be there. Who is, they seem to have flown under the radar. They're one of your constituencies. Yes. Yeah, they, yeah. They're over there with YouTube, which, which Susan Wojcicki is, runs and right. is trying very hard to deal with these yeah. issues. No, they've, they've tend, they, the search service itself has tended to fly. China's another issue we don't right. have to get into, but they have flown under the radar compared to these other two. And they've, they've got the same challenges. Now, I think they have been better uh, about some of these issues than than some of the other companies, but they have got some of the same challenges at YouTube and others. What What is the content that they need to ban or not allow on these platforms uh, without uh, censoring speech? And how how are they going to conduct these reviews? 
is machine learning and artificial intelligence enough, or do, do these things need to be reviewed by humans? What are the it's standards? Expensive. It's a, it's these expensive. Business, these businesses don't look as good when you have to start spending money, which is hence the newspaper business. Like it, it costs money to do the jobs they do, even even as mis- many mistakes as newspapers have made over the. They do at least put in place some some safeguards and guardrails. So that gets us to this Internet Bill of Rights, which I right. want to get into very in detail in the next section. Just very briefly, and then we're, in the next section we'll, we'll talk about that, you have created an Internet Bill of Rights. Yes, Can with you, the help of a lot of people. With the help of a lot of people. And we're right. going to talk about that when we get back. And the concept is to maybe not do this as one thing, but to start to think about what those rules are. It's to set a framework, a foundation for what legislation should look like to protect people's rights in in the cyber world. Okay, when we get back with Representative Rokana from California, we are going to talk about that and more. We'll take a quick minute to listen to our sponsors, and then we'll get back. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover... Who was their best mentor? What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We're back with Congressman Ro Khanna, who represents California's 17th district, which includes Google and Apple. He has authored an Internet Bill of Rights, and I've, I've written about it in The New York Times, and I'm talking, we're talking about what should happen, and it really is about legislation of, uh, and regulation of these companies. Give us the history of what happened, and let's be clear, you're not in power, so you can't really do too much here in terms of that yet. We, we can't uh, implement it to make it law yet, but not we can... T- not so, today. But not today. And some people have said this is a 15-year project. I said we don't have 15 years to wait. I right. mean, we got to... But we, we need to get the conversation started so that there's can be legislation starting January, regardless of who's in power. I hope it's uh, the Democrats, but so that we can actually start to address the issue. But here's... here's so a, go through the, how it happened. So it happened after the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Nancy mm-hmm. and I... Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi and I talked, and I speaker said, speaker, uh, the, the leader, former speaker of the House, the leader, of, leader of the Democrats, and mm-hmm. I said, you know, those hearings uh, left people wondering what is Congress going to do. There's a fundamental issue here where people are spending a huge amount of their time online, and their rights need to be protected online, just like their rights are protected in the physical world. And the Congress is primarily responsible for drafting those new rights and those mm-hmm. new rules. So why don't we take the the leadership to do that? And uh, to her credit, she said, okay, go do it. Right. Uh, don't just talk to me. Come back with a, a proposal of what that would look like. And I then reached out to uh, to people uh, who had worked on this in the Obama administration, mm-hmm. Nicole Wong and uh, Andrew McKilvray, uh, reached out to Center of Democracy and Technology, Public Knowledge, Electronic Frontier Foundation, Black Lives Data Equity, and a number of these groups to say what— And the companies. And, and the companies, mm-hmm. and the companies, uh, to say what, what would be reasonable. What are some principles that we can all agree on uh, and then we can argue the details on legislation, but let's at least agree that there are certain rights that an individual should have uh, when they have an experience online. And I envisioned this on every homepage. When you go to Facebook or when you go to uh, the, the Google homepage, you would have in the corner, here are your rights. You know, right. like you when you click on uh, 
Recode, you have to cookies. click cookies. cookies yeah. you, you're, there's a clear, it's not some technical thing you've signed. There's a clear no, warning. We're an eat your vegetables kind of website. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about the principles. So you, you went around and talked to them and yes. trying to figure out and created a document that yes. is, is pretty broad, is pretty broad. Yes. But let's go through some of them because I think it's really interesting. So you said the internet age and the digital revolution have changed Americans' way of life as our lives and economy are more tied to the internet is essential to provide Americans' basic protections online. And some of these things, there are protections, but it's not specific to the internet. Right. Privacy protections, data protections, which right. haven't seemed to work as well as they should. Let's go through them really quickly. You, you have the right to access to and knowledge of collection and uses of personal data. So talk about that. That's the that you should be able to see the data that's being collected by these companies. Yes, you should be able to to get that data. If you go to a doctor and mm-hmm. then you want to know what your health data is, you have the right to get that health data. Right. Right now, if you want to know what data Facebook has about you, uh, you don't have the right to ask them to give you all of their uh, the data they have on you and the right to know what they've done with it. You should have that right. You should have the right to know and have access to your data. Mm-hmm. All right. And then what does that what does that mean? Because I think what, what part of it is it's not very um, easy to use. It, what you say, well, easy look, to lose. This is highly unspecific. Is it easy to play in English, prominent? Every, you said every homepage, things like that. Yeah. So let, well, let me give you an example mm-hmm. of why that right to access and okay. knowledge would matter. Let's look at the Cambridge Analytica scandal. There are, as you know, several nonprofits that have 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people on these platforms so mm-hmm. that they are monitoring what's going on. If there was suspicious activity like Cambridge Analytica, those nonprofits could have made a request of Facebook to say, we want to see the data for these individuals, what's happening to this data, and who it's going to. And that would have come out that that data was being right. misused or transferred. So you knew where it was. And so, you, so we would have known far earlier. So it's not just an individual. Yes, an individual can make that request, but it will empower these nonprofits to hold a companies accountable. Right, looking at them and scrutinizing. The way, yes. say, Media Matters is on Alec Jones, various exactly. things like that. Okay. So the second one is to opt in consent to collection of personal data by any party and sharing of personal data. So this is the same thing. This is anytime your data is used. But, but you, don't, it, you don't want people to click, 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 click. No, nobody does. And no. they end up giving away all their rights because it's so exhausting. Exactly. So this is saying, look, when you have to click when people are going to collect your data Mm -hmm. or if they're going to transfer your data. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that you have the right to know what's happening to your data. It's that you, if before your data is collected, you have to affirmatively consent. But what we left out of it Mm -hmm. is affirmative consent for every use case. Mm Because if you do that, as uh, some other countries have, then you would have to click anytime you saw an ad, anytime Mm -hmm. uh, basically you did anything on the website. Americans don't like that. They don't want to click 25 times. And and I do think that people have a point that if you're clicking 25 times, it's going to dilute the value of clicking. People just click uh, without thinking about something. Right. But the ability to to know major... Movements of the ability to know major movements. It's so, uh, going to be expensive for these companies. It will add expense. They can afford it. Yeah. I mean, they can afford it. <laughs> they, they've gone. They, they're they're doing well enough. And I think the bigger Come on, they have kombucha butlers there. In <laughs> they can they can yeah. just drop one of them. They uh, and, and there's no one no one begrudges them uh, their economic success. Some people do. Well, I mean, well, I think they're wrong. I mean, if I if 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 I, I said don't know, the twenty the. Four hundred and twelfth billion. You're like, oh, God, but, really? But what what they want is some responsibility, right? You I mean, people like pe- people want want uh, they they probably begrudge the the level of income inequality. But people who say, look, hey, look, uh, uh, Steve Jobs uh, or Mark Zuckerberg or these people should mm-hmm. be uh, well uh, make money because they came up with novel inventions. Sure. But what now are, is their responsibility to yeah. society? Yeah, absolutely. All right. The next one, where the context appropriate and fair process to obtain, correct, and delete personal data controlled by a company and have those requests honored by third parties. Now, that's in Europe. It's quite, you know, right to remove yourself. Right? Yes. Also, that's sort of in that zone. It is. But but that's why it, it, right. we have that caveat or qualifier yeah. with context specific. Right. What we say is you should have the right to delete your data, but you shouldn't have the right to be forgotten. What that means is uh, if there's something I didn't like about uh, this interview, I shouldn't be able to say, uh, Kara, please delete that right. uh, from the Internet. Or yeah. if I committed a crime, I shouldn't yeah. be able to delete something from the Internet. But I should be able to That would to be delete. like the Donald Trump delete, yeah, delete so that, law. That, that, yeah, <laughs> can you imagine Donald Trump taking a, you know, having suits uh, out for uh, suing all these yeah. companies saying, take this off, take yeah. that off. So, oh, yeah, I uh, so I think that the, the European law here goes too far in the right mm-hmm. to be forgotten. But we should be able to delete things. If I leave Facebook and I don't want them to have any of my data that I entered their 
you should have the right to do that. All right. Do you find the European ones too onerous, this idea of right to be forgotten? You can't be forgotten, right, in this day I do age. think the European one is too onerous. I mean, Europe doesn't have a First Amendment. Right. And uh, you could see it, politicians making requests saying, oh, that happened when I was a kid. It's mm-hmm. irrelevant. It shouldn't be on the Internet. And I think that's getting into a gray zone. I also think some of the European regulations, which literally have the regulators prescribing how apps should be designed. I get maybe the European Parliament as more technical savvy than the United States Congress, but I couldn't imagine if the United States Congress had to go tell these tech companies, here's how we want you to design apps and icons. It would right. be a disaster. Yeah, a disaster. And it goes right down the chain in this one, the meaning yes. wherever the data goes. Right. Right, that people have right. Yes. Uh, to have personal data secured and to be notified in a timely manner when security breach or unauthorized access to breath. I can't even believe, that even though there's laws in place for this, these breaches happen and these people sit on them like Yahoo, there was Equifax. Right. Like, and there's no notification yeah. requirement. So imagine if as soon as Facebook had learned about the Cambridge Analytica scandal, they had an affirmative requirement Mm -hmm. to notify the FTC or the FCC. Well, you would have had people like you and others Mm -hmm. writing about it before the 2016 election. There's two points. The ultimate cure to Russian interference in our elections is to make platforms that aren't susceptible to interference. But until we get to that point, and everyone has acknowledged it's going to be harder than easier to do that, transparency can solve Mm -hmm. A fair amount. Yeah. So at least let's know when there's a breach so that the public it's can be aware of it. It's astonishing that they get off the way. They, I mean, there's, there's private lawsuits and things like that, but it's really kind of shocking in a lot of ways. It is shocking that this doesn't exist, that you don't have an Well, there are laws. There are. There, the, the, there are laws where individuals can take mm-hmm. private causes of action, but there was no law tell, no saying that. I mean, Facebook, as I understand it, didn't violate any existing no. Same laws. Same thing with Yahoo. When, you know, or Yahoo. It was or, so interesting. Or, Someone's like, how did you get right. that story? I said, people inside were so horrified that they right. kept it a secret. They called me. Yeah. And they wanted it out because they're like, are you kidding? All these users are affected. Their passwords are affected. And. You know, it was, it was a, that story was really shocking to me. All of them are. They're all like, I'm sort of like, you wouldn't say something immediately. And they all have some elaborate excuses why they don't, but honestly. And by the way, the the, the, the laws, I think, would actually protect some of these uh, companies because it would require them to do yeah, something. They have to, I right? mean, I, I can imagine, I'm not making an excuse, I can imagine tech leaders thinking of a hundred things and it, maybe it didn't rise to their level of saying, oh, we better disclose this to the American public. Well, if oh, there's a law, I, yeah, maybe they don't want to. But, like but the point idiots. is that it takes away the temptations of judgment. Well, they also want to say, oh, we're going to take care of it quietly. But I'm just like, I'd rather, I'm not going to compare it to what the Catholic Church did, but it's like, I don't want you to take care of it privately. I'd like it to be taken care of publicly. And by making it public, (laughs) it would dilute the impact of the propaganda because at least the public would know, oh, okay. I better change my password. I better do this. All right, to move all personal data from one network to the next, that's data mobility, essentially. Right. And that's is, a, you know, Facebook has been four, too, and it's it's a complicated issue. It, it is. But the complicated thing is, okay, let's say I want to take my data away from Facebook to another uh, peer-to-peer network. What is my data? Do I get to take uh, just my data? Do I get to take my friends? Do I get to take the value that Facebook has provided by doing their own analysis. So the details matter. But the basic idea is I should be able to take my information mm-hmm. easily from one network to another. Right. All right. Next one. That's absolutely, you know, and that's an issue. It's interesting. Mark talked about that in our podcast, too, um, when he wasn't talking about uh, Holocaust deniers. But no, he, he <laughs> that got a lot of attention. He said a lot of really Well, I, I, thought, I know your, that, co- your column a, created a, a huge stir in, right. in, in the Valley, but I actually thought you were fairly nice to him. I, well, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think it was, you called him a nice guy. You said that you... Uh, he was he was a decent person, and the fact is that uh, you pointed out the Silicon Valley needs more humanities yeah, courses. Yeah, they do. They just at least just like <laughs> I don't know what they need to. What do you think they should read? Well, Habermas has has been about this, but they don't have to read Habermas himself. They need to hire people who have read Habermas to go yeah. work for them to think because what they're doing is usually consequential, huh. right? They're right. creating these huge new. Yeah, they're getting an education real fast for, for, for communication, and they're grappling with fi- things about. What is truth? What is right. proper communication? That are really right. philosophical questions. So should, they should hire people who have studied that. You know, Mark is having dinners with lots of people of left, the right, the middle, whatever, to learn about this. They shouldn't put Ted Cruz in the charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should have. He should have stayed in college for a little longer. I think. Yeah. All right. To have access to access and use the internet without internet service providers blocking throughout. This is net neutrality, engaging in paid prioritization, and otherwise unfairly favoring content application services and devices. Right. I mean, this is basically everyone net should neutrality. be able to get onto the internet without being charged a paid 
So this uh, is legislating net neutrality rather than letting the FCC ping pong back and forth. Exactly. And if we could get Tom Wheeler, who was the prior FCC chair's mm-hmm. order uh, in legislation, uh, that would uh, do a lot to assure people that they're going to have. It doesn't access. change every time. Now it doesn't it's change every time. It doesn't. High and and yes. it'll change again. By the way, the the argument that Ajit Pai made because I tried to take arguments most mm-hmm. seriously. He said, well, if these uh, internet service providers, AT&T and Verizon, they need to be able to make more money so that they can then go invest that money in expanding the internet service to places left out. And so, okay, if you really think AT&T needs to make more money, fine. And then what do you read next day? Well, they're using that money to uh, have a merger with Time Warner. I mean, give me a break. You really think they're <laughs> going to be using that money to invest in rural No, America? I do not. No, I do not. And so, you know, the, the— I believe everything AT&T tells me. The, the, the argument, you they know, don't. you want to invest in rural America, invest in rural America. Put, yeah. put $80 billion to have fiber there. One of the, the biggest challenges, I mean, China has got 53% oh, of the country is going to be fiber. We're going to get into that next. We're going to get into—it's amazing. We're, we're at 3%. It's I mean, it's— uh, literally a third-world country when it comes to— The prices are first-world. Yes. The quality is— Third world, and we're, we're like fifty six. Like I think Liechtenstein has better internet coverage. I mean, I it's it. What's mind boggling to me is I sit on the Armed Services Committee and I hear this angst among Republican and Democratic co- colleagues about how we're losing to China. Yeah, we are. And, and uh, their angst is about how we're losing in our navy and our our air force, our military. That's not where we're losing China. Where we face a challenge to China is on artificial intelligence, on fiber, uh, on on, on lasers. It's it, it, so, everything. Yeah, it reminds me. I mean, if you'll indulge for a second, it's a, it's uh, I shall. It's, it's it's like a campaign, and someone who's put a million bucks on TV, and then there's a a, a challenger candidate, and they put fifty thousand dollars on one of these platforms, Twitter or Facebook, and the conventional person says, you know what, we ought to do instead of putting a million on TV, we need to put two million on TV, but we're not going to put the fifty thousand dollars on digital. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Actually, mm-hmm. we're doubling down on conventional weapons. China knows they can never catch us in conventional weapons. They're trying these other things, and we're not responding. I yeah. mean, it's yeah, it is. That's another. Well, that's a whole nother podcast. I'm going to talk about that in the future, much muchly. Um, we're going to take another break now. We'll be back after this with Congressman Ro Khanna. We're going through his Internet Bill of Rights. We're on number seven. There's ten of them, I think. And then we're going to talk about where it's going to what's going to happen. Yes. Hopefully, he represents California's 17th district and the author of this newly proposed Internet Bill of Rights. We're here with Congressman Ro Khanna. He represents California's 17th District. We're talking about his Internet Bill of Rights that he hopes at some point to get passed or in pieces or in parts. We'll talk about how that happens. And we're on number seven. Uh, There's 10 of these. We've talked about some of the others. To Internet service without the collection of data that is unnecessary providing the requested service absent opt-in consent. What's that about? Well, the basic idea is that you shouldn't have to give data that is not necessary. So some mm-hmm. of these internet service providers like AT&T, Verizon, they want everything. They want everything. They're saying why why are Facebook and Google making all this money? We want to make the money. Yeah. We want to get this data uh, when you sign up, but they are not uh, providing any content. They should okay, if you need some data to get access to the internet fine, but don't make it more than what's absolutely more onerous. Necessary. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, to have access to multiple vi- this is eight, to have mul- access to multiple viable affordable internet platforms, services and providers with clear and transparent pricing. This is just competition. Right. You know, maybe uh, uh, we shouldn't have allowed Facebook to acquire WhatsApp and Instagram. So that Would they when, be able to today? Uh, I, I don't think so. I hope not. I yeah. mean, that, that that when Mark Zuckerberg was asked the question, who is your competitor? I, instead of struggling, imagine if you could have answered Instagram and WhatsApp, right, yeah. and Snapchat. But they acquired uh, the, the Instagram, they acquired WhatsApp, and they basically appropriated video once they saw what Snapchat was doing. They, mm-hmm. they incorporated that. So the, the point of this is to say there should be competition. There should be multiple uh, providers so that you don't have one or two dominant uh, places where you have to go. Mm-hmm. I don't and think that's that controversial. How hard is it going to be for these Internet companies to acquire things? I think that's where they're going to have to compromise and realize that the the rules are going to change, that there should be... I think they're buying things right now. There there should be huge scrutiny on massive acquisitions and mergers. I'm not as far out as Roger McNamee, who says, okay, let's ban mergers and acquisitions, because 
What are you going to do with startups? I mean, yeah. if if no startups have any exits, and Roger's done rather well from that himself. Yeah, yeah, so you know, should hush. What it means? He's very closing smart. the barn door there. <laughs> but but should there be scrutiny when yeah. you're trying to acquire something that's going to be a direct competitor? Yes, yeah. you know. Get ready, Ro. <laughs> they're buying. I'm hearing lots of like activity. It's it's really interesting. It's fascinating that they're. I heard one the other day that's pretty massive, and I was like, wow, that's that's a that's a. Okay. One of the things that I wonder if some uh, aspiring entrepreneur is going to come up with a, a a social media network that values privacy in a much better way and start to build a alternative just through the market forces. They've tried. It. They've tried, but it's yes, interesting. It's, People yeah. get stuck on things. All right. Nine, not to be unfairly discriminated against or exploited based on your personal data. Well, that's... That's an obvious one, but it's, it's basically that you shouldn't have... Uh, race or religion be factors uh, in yeah. uh, in in how your uh, experience is online, and also that you should be uh, sensitive to what type of demographics are using these platforms, who it's targeted to, how to create a more inclusive conversation. Mm-hmm. For example, if you had, if I have a town hall, mm-hmm. and if in my town hall in a district that is heavily Asian American, no Asian American showed up, mm-hmm. I would get criticized. Right. I would right. it would be very obvious in those pictures. Right. Well, what if you ha- now have these online, basically, town halls, conversations, and there's no consideration? Are, are there African-American voices? Are there women voices? Are people bullying and making people uncomfortable mm-hmm. to participate? Why are those questions not being asked? Right, right. Yeah, well, they're not asking. Have you noticed? I don't yeah. know if you've noticed. I mean, it has has anyone even done the analysis about who is participating Racially, demographically, uh, gender-wise. Well, it's interesting. It's much more diverse, and and yet the companies aren't represented that way, which yes. is a, among the base. Now, right. I don't think that's ever going to be legislated, that kind of thing, but it's shameful in many ways. And you know what? what is interesting to me? Bill Spriggs is one of the most thoughtful people. He's an economist, was for Obama. He teaches at Howard University. He told me in Washington, D.C., uh, Virginia and Maryland, guess how much of the tech workforce is African-American? 22%. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. In Silicon Valley, it's under 3%. And Government. he said that is because of choices. In right. in this area, people Government. partnered with the HBCUs. They provide mm-hmm. prioritized minority businesses, which mm-hmm. then hired minorities. Yeah. So it's not that uh, the talent isn't there. Of course, there's the talent of the, yes, we have to build a pipeline. It's the policies and the choices, Absolutely. intentionality. 100%. I get so exhausted when I, they tell me they can't figure it out. They're the smartest people in America, in case you're interested in the world, apparently. But not this. That's smart. <laughs> you don't have to insult them. I'll do well, it for you. Well, they are. In some ways, they are the smartest. Right? Yeah. But, but But let's let's apply that to beyond how to have something go faster. Absolutely. It's in more. their best interest from a business yeah. point of view. It's just it's so exhausting trying to argue the point. And then when, when you know, I say, I've said this a million times and I'll keep saying it is the only time they bring up standards is when they're talking about women and people of color. That's the, and then never about the people who've driven some of these companies into walls. That's okay because yeah. failure is good. But yeah, you, it's look, really you, interesting. You know these folks better than I do. You've known them for, for years. Do you have any doubt, Kara, that if – they sat down and said, None. we need to— I know your question. No. You know, None. We need to solve the issue of how we get more employment and places left behind, more minorities. Then this is We're going to take this as seriously as the next iPhone launch or the next uh, expansion of, uh, of Facebook to other parts of the world. Do you think—do you have any doubt in no. one year? And that it they, hurts their businesses. You, yes. know why, you know why they didn't fix bullying? Because they never got bullied. These right. The people who ran these companies said, what are you talking about? They had no clue what was going on for everybody else. And, then, and that's a business thing because they're now in a disastrous mess because of that, because they weren't aware and they didn't have a different— and I'm not just talking about race and gender. I'm talking about age. I'm talking about economic background. I'm talking about all kinds of just interesting voices that will really give people a perspective. And it's not, it's not just to, like, check one from every box. It's but, to be a better business. And my hope is that you will prod them to actually see their uh, enlightened self-interest, which is what Bill Gates, right? When you ask people in America— what is Bill Gates' legacy? Most people don't say Microsoft. They say, well, he's one of the great humanists of his time. And yeah. they talk about he the He certainly work he's turned doing. that around, didn't he? Right. So, yeah. you know, if they care about their legacy and others, I think maybe others yeah, maybe will follow don't. that model. Maybe they don't. Anyway, last one. To have an entity that collects your personal data, have reasonable business practice and accountability to protect your privacy. That's like so broad. You could drive like 63 
right, the but what, 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 trucks through it. What it's saying is that there should be uh, an obligation on these companies to think about what the best cybersecurity platforms are and that they should be an accountability for them to design it so that government mm-hmm. may not know exactly what to do, but these companies should have a legal liability if they aren't coming up with the best designs to protect your data. Okay, so that's 10 of them, So which is not a nice number. You didn't do 11 or... No, Nine, ten. I like ten. Yes. So what now? It has you have to own Congress one, and this this all can't be one piece of legislation. It could be lots of. Pieces. So what happens now? And you said fifteen year fight. So. so the relevant committees are the Energy and Commerce Committee in the right. House of Representatives and mm-hmm. the Analog in the Senate. Uh, they need to first introduce legislation. It can be in one big piece of legislation, or it could be in multiple subsets of mm-hmm. legislation. Mm-hmm. That legislation has to be debated in that committee. Then it has to get out of that committee and go uh, to the floor of the House. And what I have said is I'm not wedded to this particular document, though I will put in that Tim Berners-Lee supported it. But I'm not wedded to these principles being perfect. Let's debate it. Let's have other principles. What I am wedded to is action. Uh, Let's get something moving. Let's have the committee take up legislation. And that would be what congressman in the energy and commerce? Well, uh, Pallone is the the ranking. Frank Pallone from from, uh, New Jersey would be the chairman right uh, right now. He's the ranking member. And uh, Mike Doyle would be on uh, the relevant uh, committee, as would Jan Schakowsky. Uh, so they would have the ability to move move the legislation. And you mentioned and Joe Kennedy. who I've met Joe with. Kennedy's on the committee, mm-hmm. and Joe is one of the, the most yes. thoughtful uh, people indeed. on these issues. And, he, uh, you know, he's he, he will have a, a key role. And my hope is, I said, call it the Frank Pallone bill, call it the Energy and Commerce bill. I'm but do something. Right. Do, okay. We've got to move. All right. So move it could it be in pieces. Committee. And then in the Senate, who's the, who are, do you have to then have one in the Senate? Who there? Uh, the, you know, Ed Markey, I think, and Klobuchar will play a, a, a key Klobuchar. role there. And uh, there'll be a number of uh, uh, senators uh, from on the relevant committee, the counterpart to the Energy and Commerce Committee on the, on the Senate. Uh, they need to move something. But here's my view. Whoever moves something uh, first, I think it will force the other body to respond and it's a great opportunity for these members of Congress to do something significant. Right. And then it then it's got to be – but it could be in pieces, right? It, and could, it could be take, in pieces. And I, what's I, the most important piece from your perspective? I think the most important piece is the opt-in consent and the right to have access to your data. I mean the, ba- the, base, the, the basic sense should be just like I have access to my health information or my financial information, I should have access to my online well, information. Have, to have the rules of everybody else. Well, that's a problem. Um, so you've talked to the companies and other people yes. who are against and and the Repu- Republicans against this or well, the, they don't the, like legislation. The, 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 the companies uh, are, you know, much. they're very savvy. I mean, no one will ever come out and say we're against this, but mm-hmm. they'll, you know, they'll just slow roll or mm-hmm. they'll uh, take meetings but not – uh, and not necessarily push it. And my hope is what it takes is the courage of one or two of these tech leaders to follow what Tim Berners-Lee said and said, regulate us, legislate us. Is there we're, one we're that for... you think? I think Tim Cook would be a huge yeah. difference maker. I think yeah. he's got... Uh... He's doing some good tisk-tisking these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's... I think <laughs> I think he's he's got the credibility. He does. Uh, and, I, and I think Cheryl would have some of the, the credibility. But if the, one or two of them were to come out uh, for... Uh, this approach or an amended approach to the Internet Bill of Rights, I think, can make a big difference. All right. And then— uh, and, but, the, and the Republicans—I mean, the Republicans public. are just reflexively, they think regulation is is bad. I mean, right. they're about deregulation, and they, they don't think the government should be getting involved. Uh, the point is, though, uh, every time I'm on an airplane— I'm thankful for regulation. I mean, yeah. I, I'm glad yeah. that there's Me some too. regulations. I'm glad every yeah. time, you know, there's I go to the supermarket or buy food for my one-year-old son that there is regulation, right? So this is a place where common sense regulation is going to uh, enhance the experience. It's not going to be anti-business. And I'm not really concerned about uh, Facebook or Google or Apple having the capital to continue You're to innovate. You're not kneecapping them, in other words. We're not in any way. And, I, and I'm... Look, I'm very, very proud still. I like the label of being a Silicon Valley member of Congress. I don't think someone representing New York would like to be called a Wall Street member of Congress from Wall Street. I'm very proud of Silicon Valley on balance. I think they've done a lot. But if they continue with 
a blind spot to these issues, mm-hmm. uh, then that goodwill will dissipate. Right. I think so. You know, it's interesting because, you know, the Internet's been very, very good to the Republicans. It out. There is a little – there's a lot of anger on the Democratic side over the emails, over all kinds right. of things. Right, Russia. Yeah. Uh, can't be political because if not, if it is, that you're going to go down that road. Just anger, anger towards what happened in the election. It, it can't be about the election, just about the election. I think that, that Unless they screw up the next election. Unless they screw up the next election. And maybe if the Democrats and win. And they'll be all held to pay. <laughs> But look, even they are acknowledging that they haven't figured it out yet right. in terms of how these platforms no. can be abused. People understand that we're going through to a different economy and different world all over this country. I mean, I, as you know, I've been out in West Virginia mm-hmm. and Kentucky and Ohio, Michigan. Yes, you've been doing Pe- a lot of people get it and they have an anxiety. They they want to know are they going are their kids going to be safe in this new world and are they going to have an economic future in this new world? And they're open to it, right? It's not like mm-hmm. they are negative towards tech. They're just they have a big question mark about what it's going to mean for them. And at this moment, it could go either way. And yeah. so if I am looking at it from a perspective of these tech leaders, I say, I want these folks to have a positive view. Yeah. The, the one thing that I think they don't understand is the how quickly a brand can uh, disintegrate. Let me tell you, they don't want to be uh, in a situation of 8% approval like Congress. Right. They, they're sitting on something which is the most precious commodity. Yeah. Largely— How's a, that going for you in Congress? You know, it's, a, it's terrible. It's terrible, you know? It's a, anytime I have a bad like day with my well. wife, she said, she reminds me, well, you guys you guys are at 8%. Bro, you're you're likable enough. <laughs> enough. That's That's Obama's famous line. I know, <laughs> yes, I know. None of us ladies like that very much. I'll take it. No, I'll take okay, likable, likable enough. enough. So I want to finish up the last thing— and it, we just got a few minutes, is you said to me, and I put in the column, tech is immoral, and it's time to sort of spend the next 10 years thinking harder about that. Yes. Well, this is the amoral te- and, and technology. It's, it's sort of the brave new world, or 1984, these authors who wrote about technology not being a moral positive force or not being a moral negative force. It's about how values shape these platforms. Could you think and argue that these platforms could be hugely positive forces for the world? Absolutely. If they facilitate greater empathy of people in other parts of the world, greater communication, greater ability to have jobs while staying in your community, could you envision a dystopian future? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If they are amplifying hate speech, if they're amplifying conflict, if they're amplifying lies— and so it's for human beings, not artificial intelligence. It's human judgment right. to shape these platforms. And that's why, ultimately, I still believe in the liberal arts and humanities yeah. and in a role for the humanities. So I think the what technology and technology leaders should recognize is there's room for art and poetry and philosophy and not just room, but a necessity for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To have some sense of how it impacts people. To have some sense of how it impacts people and to understand that ultimately they th- those values are what drive uh, humanity uh, forward, that creating these platforms are I- I- extraordinary beneficial if they are guided by the, the right values. Right. And so what's interesting is that this is in their interest, which is kind of funny when they think about that. Like, this is actually in their interest. This is in their long-term interest in terms of their legacy. I mean, because these, I I mean, you've talked to them. They, I think they are earnest in that they want to leave the world a better place. I really believe oh, that. I, they, I 100% believe, like, they're horrified. And many employees, too. That's what's most important. It's more than right. the leaders. The employees are horrified, horrified by what they've wrought in some ways. And proud of it, too, because a lot of it is like, you know, I always, I do make this, I constantly say, you don't want to be like the one who says these things are not great for humanity, but you do have to have a moment where you go, all right, wait a minute. Like, what's happening here? Like, you know, and we didn't even get into this, but tech addiction. You have to think about that. Like, people, you know, people are unhappier. They're lonelier. They're, you know, they're causing all kinds of problems. Well, okay, it's not drinking or smoking or something else, but it's still something else we've got to think about without being sort of the mommy state um, to, to, to users. But it does have elements of responsibility that you need to think about. And I think it's just, as you've called for in your columns, it's just taking a deep breath and reflecting about the larger purpose. It's like being in Congress, right? You can spend your whole day thinking about... Okay, you have these media interviews on a political side. You have fundraising. You've got these constituent meetings. And you could just go day after day after day. And then, and then at some point you say, well, what am I trying to do? How am I trying to make the nation a better place? And have I achieved that? Or am I so caught up in the machinery? And I think that in, in the Valley, these folks were the underdogs. For the right. longest time— They, they still were, think of themselves They like They weren't—and so there was this sense that they just need to come up with the most— 
incredible innovations and move ahead and almost a tunnel vision. And they now are leading the world in many senses. And maybe it's time for a pause and saying, wow, we've invented all of this. Now let's think about yep. how it should be used. And as you know, it's I've never met a group of people with more power and more money who feel like victims. <laughs> like it's fascinating. Oh, you're mean or you're – and it's I'm, – I'm always like – you could have me killed and but, and dismembered and spread to the winds at any point. You understand that. You well, understand your power. Well, and they they, don't. That's what I was trying to get Mark to acknowledge in that in that podcast a lot. The power and the the power that he has. Well, they not and just they, Mark, but all of them. But they do, and and I think it comes from the sense because they were not the traditional model of leadership. Right. They are not the. Uh, you know, they haven't all grown, gone to fancy schools with mm-hmm. fancy degrees, well, et cetera. And they, 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 some of them did, but uh, but they tended to be upper middle class kids yeah. who who really love technology. But now they they they've been thrust into this place where they are some of the most economically influential people in the world, and and their platforms are used by everyone in the world. I mean, I often uh, say that my district produces more wealth than many nations. Yeah. With that comes some responsibility, yeah. and. Uh, with that comes criticism, by the way. I mean, I would love for uh, some of these tech folks to go into politics, but one of the things they would realize is the press yeah. they're getting, to, let me tell you, it gets much, much worse oh, if, if, as you run for office. They're you not know, running for they, office. They, they, they're, uh, most people will t- t- tell you nine times out of ten what you're doing wrong and how you're bad. And so, but I think that's that's they're great, not right? Running I, for office. I mean, they're they, going to get a taste the, of it and run for the hills. You know, I mean, I know, look, tr- Trump gets, it, it, I mean, it's appalling what Trump says when he talks about the press being the yeah. enemy of the people, et cetera. But look at how much of an assault he has yeah. taken. I think he didn't understand it. He right, thought he right. was this business guy. He was used to adulation. Yeah. Uh, and, and so and, were these tech leaders and used these te- to adulation. But that criticism is the saving grace of right. our democracy right. that at least there's some accountability. And yeah. they have to expect that. They're now yeah. in positions that yeah. are more consequential than most members yeah. of Congress or senators. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. so— why wouldn't they face scrutiny? You're welcome for being a pain in the ass. <laughs> Anytime. And so this is what we do at best. Anyway, thank you so much. This is really fascinating. Read about it in the New York Times, the column about it. And also, I look forward to see what happens to it. I hope it doesn't get lost down some congressional hole and then you sit around and argue about stupid things. Like, well, not I, that you do that ever, but it <laughs> seems no, like. I will keep fighting. Seems like it's a little bit, it. uh, there's things going on up there that are a little slow. That, but one of the things that uh, I, I said is we were debating the tax bill, mm-hmm. and both the Republicans and Democrats kept referring to 1986 and that as an ideal. And I said, mm-hmm. if you were coming from a foreign country or outer space mm-hmm. watching the Congress, you would just be perplexed. Why are they in 2018 talking about things in 1986? I, it's 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 just it's a time warp. Yeah. Yeah, I was enjoying the session with the terms of service in Congress right. during those hearings. I'm like, that is not our biggest issue here. Let's move on to, like, that's, anyway. It was great talking to you. Thank you for coming on again, and thank you for talking about this. It's a really important issue, and it's good that more congressmen are more educated about this. It's really amazing how few are, but hopefully in the future more will be. If you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you didn't like the interview or just want to say hi, tweet at me. I'm at Kara Swisher on Twitter. Ro, what is your Twitter? I am at, uh, at Rep Rokana. All right. They're all like that. It's, it's going to happen when you're not a rep. Uh, I have my not, the other one, but there are all these rules about which right, one yeah, you can yeah, use. Yeah, I won't, <laughs> we won't do that. Okay, now that you're done with this, go check out our latest episode of Recode Media. You can find that show wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.